Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Divided Films, the podcast where we talk about movies that audiences and critics do not agree on. Uh, my name is JJ, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Keith. Hello! And returning to the podcast today is our good friend, Andy Martinez. Welcome back, Andy. Hello. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I'm um, very excited to have you back. So today, we are discussing the 2000 horror film, Final mm-hmm. Destination, the first of the series. Um, this movie falls into the category of having a negative score with critics and a mixed to positive score with audiences. Critics give this a 35% approval rating, audience approval rating at 68%. And the critics consensus on Rotten Tomatoes, despite a panel of X-Files alums at the helm and a promising premise, flighty performances and poor execution keep Final Destination from ever taking off. They just love their puns in these consensus. Mm. Um, So that is uh where the critics and audiences stand uh audiences liking this more than critics so uh the one thing though i want to just start us off with is the premise they mm-hmm. i like how the the consensus mentions the premise because personally i really like this premise i think it's a really cool idea um but you know the execution could be very silly at times but i just think it's like a great elevator pitch i can see how maybe if they, you know, this was originally like an X-Files episode idea. And I can see how, you know, you can maybe sell this to like maybe a movie executive or something, a movie producer and bump it up and, and get people excited about it. So that, that I, you know, that's where I want to at least start with. What do you guys, where are your initial take on, on this movie and why there's a divide on it? Sorry, Keith, you're laughing. What's so funny? <laughs> well, I, this movie is it's not good, but it's not bad, but it's also, like, it's a fun, I think the audience nailed it right on the, I think it's like a perfect, it's in the 60 range, at least for me. It's so goofy, but it's, it, as you said, it's a really good idea. And of course, it actually, it's a good Friday night at the mall. It's a good sleepover movie. You're having okay. fun. Mm. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, I could definitely, uh, in terms of the premise, uh, I think you're right. It does. It does seem like a great elevator pitch. And what I was thinking when I was watching it too is like, yeah, this is definitely an idea that can appeal to a general audience pretty spectacularly. I mean, when I was a kid, because um, I, th- I think I watched like a, a couple of them when I was younger, and um, it definitely is something that is scary as a kid. I mean, like you know, because you could see how it could it could scare a general audience. But my thing with the premise is that. It, it is handled so silly. Um, and it's almost like you watch this movie and you realize, like, okay, so the premise of this movie is that the death is the slasher villain in this. Yeah, it's like a force. So then what, yeah, so then what do you do yeah, it, is my question. You, like, you can't. That's, that's the thing. That's kind of like I feel like a point that maybe a better writer would have emphasized more is this, you know, this movie – was a little more serious about its concept. They could have maybe dived more yeah. into this whole discussion about, you know, fate and destiny. Do you control your fate or don't you control your fate? Yeah. Um, I think they should have dived into that more. But um, but it's funny because it's, it's handled like a like a 90s slasher movie. Like it, it's just uh, – well, it's full of like dumb teenagers 
Yeah. Uh, with uh, fast cars, having sex, and then they all die. I wonder how I wonder how Mulder and Scully would would have handled it. <laughs> what well, you know, it's yeah. funny. You can kind of see how this would have been an X Files movie because you have the two detectives. One unfortunately named Agent Shrek, which I could not believe. <laughs> but you can see, like Shrek, you know, the the one agent is like more serious and more kind of like, he like one is definitely the more Mulder archetype, and the other is the more Scully archetype. So I want their movie. They had chemistry, like, or at least they had like tension. They had like a little bit of a character that's like, I hate you. He's like, Are you ever not serious? But you know, talking yeah. about what you, you know, these characters who are you know destined to die. What can they do? What can these FBI? I don't even know what these FBI agents really are trying to accomplish at all in, in this I movie. Think, yeah, I was wondering the same thing because I, I think that they're they're under the impression that Devin Sawa's character. I forget his name. I think they're under the impression that somehow he was part of like some like terrorist plot to take down the plane in the beginning. He's more of like a person so, of interest, maybe like, you know, oh, yeah. he, he's saying the plane's going to explode and it explodes. And I can see how that's suspicious. And maybe they want to keep their eye on him. But then they find out that the plane didn't blow up with a bomb. So it's like, all right, then why do they? Then that should why be it. Care? <laughs> that should be like the the, the end of yeah. it, really. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think uh, the way they set up the movie uh, for me, like, there's, like, so much potential in this movie, and a lot of times it's undercut by just bad dialogue or just weak acting from yeah. a couple actors in particular. I just get so frustrated because I just – I'm watching some elements that work really well, and I'm like, oh, man, like, I wish the movie was more like this, and then it kind of gets pulled away. Like, that yeah. initial plane crash premonition. That's I good. Think, I think that's yeah. really well done, and it's, like, really scary and tense, and, and – um, you know, as as, as the movie series has gone on, we can maybe get into the sequels later. It gets more like preposterous and ridiculous in the sequels, but at least this very first premonition feels like a very like realistic, scary situation that you know we all fear. You know, it taps into that deep fear when we're all like taking off on a plane. So I I like that, and I so I think it starts off on a on a good note in this first act for the most part. Yeah, I I think um I think it has a very interesting way of um kind of. Uh, well, I mean, like, yeah, it, it is like a good introduction of the premise, and I, I do like that it's kind of like a premonition. Um, but it's kind of weird how the character has like a bad feeling about the plane before it even happens. Like, before you even have a premonition, that's that's yeah. why I get annoyed. Is like he's already got death on the mind. He's already have his books about death, and yeah. he's already. And they don't yeah. They, already, they don't even like establish that he's like if he had like a fear of flying i'd be like oh okay like he's just nervous it's the shining like, you know. he, he has the shining like or the shinning or like it's yeah it, he has one of those like uh with did the girl ever have it or i'm trying to remember or she says she had a feeling yeah she she had <laughs> she had more of a feeling and i think they expanded upon it in the sequel but yeah her feel like he had a full-on premonition she was like some people were just uh, like sean william scott was just like Wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> I, I think, like, yeah. I kind of like that they don't exactly explain why he even has the premonition and then, like, the other, like, smaller visions later on. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think that that's, like, a mysterious element to the movie that I'm fine with. They don't need to, like, yeah. explain that or spell that out. And, um, you know, that, that kind of is the only way you can get around cheating death. Right. The death you definitely were supposed to have is by having this vision. Um, they were supposed well, to get I was uh I was thinking too about how like the sequels do like the whole premonition thing, 
and how it's kind of just then used as a set piece in the other movies. It's like, all right, so the first movie, and, and it's funny because like the first accident in the first movie is just a plane crash, and they don't really do too much with it. Like it just kind of happens, and the plane explodes, mm-hmm. right? Like a couple people like. The, the wall gets blown over and then like some people are sucked people out fly out yeah. yeah but then in the sequels it's like okay so in the second one it's going to be a highway so it's going to be a pile up and then there's all of these like inventive ways that people die during the pile up and then it's a roller coaster in the third one and then it's like the best one is uh I don't know which one it is but I remember I watched it on like YouTube it's like uh <laughs> they're at a NASCAR race. that's the fourth one that's the fourth one that's really <laughs> where it gets off the and, wall like, crazy the, like the drivers are dying and then like their tires are killing the crowd I'm just like how many like assholes out there are probably like I wish that would actually happen at a NASCAR race like it's not a sport but that that <laughs> totally is removed from just the very like this first one where it's like okay a plane crash anyone. This could happen to yeah. anyone. We don't like to think about it, but we all have that fear. Very how, simple. How many people Very have simple. a fear at a NASCAR event that, like, a tire is going to fly off and then, like, turn them into mush? Like, that is <laughs> so, like, like even just forgetting the very fear that this first movie is trying to tap into. It's yeah. so dumb. It's just straight up dumb. Yeah, it's it's unbelievably bad. At least this movie um, has some semblance of what, like, human fear is and some idea. Yeah. You know, I so I try to, like... I, I just have to say, like, I have a soft spot for this movie. It's it's it has very silly moments, but like I want to defend it, and I I just I see like a better movie inside. Yeah, well, at least yeah. it's simple. Like the sequels are just like they're too much. Oh, they, like, be- they they try to go into like the 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 rules, I guess you would call it. Of like every horror movie has rules, and then they try to explore that more in the sequel. But it's like there there's almost no rules to this. Mm-hmm. Like the ending is kind of like the. I guess if you could say this movie had a thesis, it's like the thesis of the movie where it's like, it doesn't matter what you do. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just going to happen right. no matter what. The only rule is that there's an mm-hmm. order, right? And yes. that's the other thing in the sequels. Which is so weird. You see, <laughs> but anyway. you see the order in the premonitions of, like, the car crash and stuff in the sequels. In this first one, the plane just explodes, so you don't really know what the order is until, like, you know, he's able to, like, map it out, which, you know, is, again, like, kind of crazy. Like, why would... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just so funny that Death is such an evil bastard that, like, has, like, serial killer tendencies. Right. It, like, he has, like, an M.O. It's not and enough he that takes they have a to break. die. And Wait, he takes what, a break. Yeah. He takes a break. Yeah. Uh, like, he takes a six-month break. Everyone's friends. And they... <laughs> I know I'm jumping to the end, but I loved how they go to they go to France, and that's when you choose to talk about all this devastating, like, you know, hey, we're yeah, he still... Has, like, a, <laughs> he has like a sense of dramatic irony that no one else has. I I'm like, it, you could have brought this up at any point. You say this on vacation. Yeah. Well, here's a theory. Maybe it only comes back when you start talking about it. You know, if they went this whole time without talking about it and they were fine, then the second he starts talking about it again and then he's almost killed again, like he got cocky. Just just like, you know, it's it's like that game where like when you remember you're playing, you lose. Like that's the death game. Yeah. It's like, "Oh, I remember. I'm supposed to die." And then you die. Alex? <gasps> could you trade seats with Blake so she and I could sit together? She asked Todd, but he said he had some sort of medical thing. <gasps> Please. What's up, dude? Is there a problem, sir? What's your fucking problem? Alex, what's your say? Can't you get fucking plane to explode? Shut up, Brownie. You're so not funny. This is your idea of joke. We call it's not a joke. joke. It's not a joke. Alex, take it easy. It's not a joke. Oh, it's going down. down. If we will remove you from this aircraft. I'll 
Fuck you, I'm gonna move myself! Everybody in the aisle! But, um, just wanted to take it back to the first act first. There are, like, other little things that I like about just this, this, um, you know, when he has the premonition, when he comes out of it. Like, I like, you know, some things that are smart about this is that, you know, when he comes out of the premonition, you know, he's, like, hysterical. You know, he's, like, mm -hmm. drenched. He looks like he lived through a plane crash just now. And I, I like that. Yeah. That's something they forget in the sequels. Like, they have this vision, and then it's like, oh, that was interesting. Like, in this, it's like, you know, you see the trauma that he's having. And, you know, I, I like how, you know, people are brought off the plane, who's brought off the plane. And, um, you know, that that I kind of buy. I'm, like, I'm still, like, you know, on board, you know, uh, up to that point. Uh, yeah. This movie had the benefit, that quote unquote, benefit of being made in 2000 because a little bit after that, if he had a freak out, everyone, the plane would never, no one, well, everyone would be off the plane. He would have saved everyone's it, lives. Like, yeah. It's lucky it came out a, a, a year before because then it would never have come out, like, I, especially with that opening. That's true. Yeah. yeah. You would not have had this if it came out maybe like, I think, a year and I mean, a half later. You know, this this was like. Uh, it would have been considered like way too insensitive, you know, to put out a movie yeah. like this. They were like taking out the Twin Towers within like a year of this for like movies that were coming out after September 11th. So right, like, yeah, this movie it out. would have never. Yeah, yeah, it would have never have come out. But yeah, so it is. But you're right. I mean, like that first act, they do handle. I like the whole like drawn out effect that the airplane crash has. Um, but yeah, and then after that like into like the second act of the movie and especially the third they just like kind of coast to the end mm -hmm. i mean like there's there's a part where um where sean william scott's character dies well, I wa and then they're then they're immediately like we gotta get out of here like what are we gonna do it's like their friend just got decapitated that's the thing right i feel in front like of them. the acting in this movie is very inconsistent so mm -hmm. a lot of times when characters are dying you don't get really a reaction you should have like so the first character to die like post like premonition is the friend todd and when alex finds out his friend is dead he is like confused he's not sad he's not heartbroken that his best friend mm -hmm. is dead he's just kind of like huh but he said he wouldn't kill himself or he said you know why would yeah. he kill himself if blah 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 like he's just more confused i'm like it, you know it, it, it just doesn't add up to me yeah, no, it's it's completely brushed. I mean, but that's the thing is that this movie is is made entirely for the audience. Like, it's mm. not made to. It's not a thinker. Um, yeah, and yeah. like you're definitely not supposed to. Because the whole time, like I, I was watching it, and you really have to turn your brain off because I was just like, "What are they gonna like? Why are they even trying? Yeah, what are they gonna do? What, what can it's, you do? Yeah, you... it's they're it's literally like they're trying to face off against a god, mm -hmm. and it's just it's so silly. Well, but, I I kind of I mean. The, I, I guess you know, the force of death is supposed. You know, it's like this hint that there's some force of death, and that's again handled in a way that like some parts I like, some parts I don't. Like I do like that the character who's gonna die next usually sees like a shadow in the reflection. I think that's a good spooky touch. But then like with yeah. the Todd death, which I like most of how that's done. Like, he gets it the worst. Like like him but, and the teacher, Jesus. Oh, I know those are like drawn the out. Teacher, but like the water, yeah. the water that Todd slips on that causes <laughs> him to like it retreats. Yeah. It's almost as if like death. It's like covering its tracks or something. Well, the, you know. Well, I think what's I think what's funny is that like the the scene with the mortician, which is supposed to establish kind of the lore of the movie, I guess. Right, right. Even though it's ridiculous, Tony Todd. Um, yeah, he's just he's just there for horror fans, but yeah. um. It's just, it's funny that in that he says death 
has a design. And I'm like, does he? It seems like he's improvising a little bit as he goes. Like, it, it doesn't seem like there's really, like, an inescapable way mm-hmm. of, uh, of how he's, like, you know, planting all these breadcrumbs to your death. It sounds like, you know... He misses one opportunity. He's like, "Oh shit, I gotta try something else." You know, like, like the guy almost—he almost gets electrocuted with the outlet. That doesn't happen. Right. So then the water like retreats a little it's bit. Like, I'm gonna get you it's somehow. Just... <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder. I wonder if Tony Todd on set was just like, "Hey, can I punch this up? Can I have like a lot of fun with it? Like, you know, create some backstory." Yeah, go go wild, go wild. Who yeah. But he has and some I, lines he... like, "You don't want to mess with that mother" or something like that. <laughs> like what? <laughs> He's Blade. Um, but he, he has like that one line too, where he says like, nothing is, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, nothing is accidental with death. And I'm like, are you sure about that? Like, what about, or, you know, it's like, everything is meant to be. It's like, what about a guy that jumps off a building? Like, was that part of death's design? Like how Mm -hmm. did he manipulate that guy's life for him to be depressed? It just, it was so, that's such a weird scene because it's obviously supposed to like, just be fun. Right. But then it's just like. What is death? Is death like Jason Voorhees now? Well, just some people have a theory because, um, you know, this mortician character pops up in a couple of the other movies that he himself is death, I guess. You know, is this on the Final Destination subreddit? Yeah, this is uh, the, the, yeah. the Final Destination universe, uh, the extended universe. <laughs> the extended universe. Um, but, you know, like, at least in this movie, the deaths are, like, not too mousetrappy as, like, the like, sequels get. Like, they yeah. are a little bit, but, like... Yeah, they, they're almost funny in the sequels. Oh, it's like in the sequels, it's yeah. like the bias made of tissue paper. Like, you know, like the slightest yeah. thing causes like your limbs to get chopped off. But in this one, yeah. you know, I, I find some of the deaths almost like a little hard to watch. Like the Todd death when he's mm. getting strangled by yeah. the thing. Like it's it's that's done in a really good way that I, it's very hard to watch for me. Like his, you know, his like eye vessels burst and his toes are curling. And like it's a real struggle there. And I, I find that to be... Um, you know, again, it's kind of silly. I, I, he probably should have been able to get out of that tub and not be hung to death. But yeah, yeah. I, I, every time I have seen this movie, I'm just like, there's a way to go about this. And I know you're in a sicky situation, but like, yeah. you just have to like, the more he, you know, it's like, it's like he's drowning and he's trying to like, he keeps, uh, he's trying to tread water. Yeah. Like he, uh, it keeps messing up, but that death is completely well, deflated by the next death. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Well, that's the infamous one. The second death is the bus like death, and that yeah, I th- that's that's like probably the most infamous death to come from this movie. And uh, yeah, it's that's another one where the people like you know only the teacher really reacts with horror to what happens. Everyone else is kind of like, like, whoa. Everyone's like, oh, oh like, yeah. uh, did your guys? I I I could totally be making this up, but did your guys's uh, when you watch this, I used to think back in like the early blockbuster days when we would watch this movie, that bus ended uh, like a shot of the bus. Like, how's my driving? The the oh, I didn't see that. My, see mine that. mine didn't have it either. But if someone, I I I know I'm not making this up. Like, cause the way like the bus hits the girl and you get the crowd or you get the the group reacting. In older copies, I do believe they had a shot of the bus saying, how's my driving? And I they took it out because yeah. I just I know I'm not crazy with that. But it must have been I a mean, split that... second to see that because it like the bus hits her and it's driving like insanely fast and then it cuts away. Like there's no way I feel like it would be possible. <laughs> and that bus driver that. keeps going. Well, like, he stops. He has... You hear him stop. You hear him stop oh. and open the doors. It's like this stop. Like he, he hits the girl and it still makes the stop. Like it's a normal like. I feel drive. like I definitely. 
We definitely watched an like updated Monty, version. It feels like a Monty Python gag. I mean, like, she says something, and then, boom, punch, like, she gets hit, like, almost comically fast. Yeah. So that would fit if it was, like, a How's My Driving sticker on the bumper. I, definitely re- I remember scene. it, but I think they definitely added the stopping effects in whatever version we watched. Because I think... Yeah. I, Maybe it was... Yeah. There is an Easter egg in this scene, and, um, you know, I think... <laughs> I think it's a little silly. Maybe not an Easter egg, but there's like a detail that I, um, yeah, I've rewatched the, some of these scenes like on YouTube and like, you know, read the comments. And someone pointed out that when the blood from, you know, hitting her splatters on some of the group, there's like the number of splatters on their faces is like the order that they are going to die or something. So the teacher gets three splatters. The, the boyfriend gets four, and even, like, Alex gets, like, the number seven is on his cheek. You can actually see it in the scene, like, because he's, like, the, the last person to die. And I'm like, okay, I think it could be an interesting idea to, like, have some sort of omen as the order of their death. But that is, like, the really, like, the dumbest yeah. thing you could have thought of to execute that idea. You, you're right in calling it an Easter egg, because that's pretty much what that is. You have to, like, dig to find that. Yeah. I feel like someone, uh, like, an audience member is, like... That like they're they're the ones that pointed pointed it out, and some and the directors are like, yeah, yeah, you got us, uh, like, oh no. yeah, they, they didn't plan that. Sh- I feel like it's yeah, amazing that, that they put that uh, thought into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, very smart Final Destination. Uh, so that yeah. death just happens like really fast and suddenly, and it's really famous. But what's interesting is so many of the deaths in this movie and later movies are like these long drawn out, like I said, like oh. mouse trap sort of deaths where like something falls over and then. Da-da-da. like the teacher's death is very enigmatic of that where there's like all these things that have to happen and it's probably the most ludicrous death of the movie like she drips vodka into a computer monitor causing it to explode yeah like that yeah. Would, it, the computer would just like stop working yeah like it, it wouldn't like electrocute anybody or explode yeah it's like and the monitor is super sharp where like it cuts her throat and yeah. did you guys <laughs> notice what i thought was like really too cheesy was the the um stained glass window on the door is a dagger so when she like yes. goes up against it it looks like it's going down into her and i'm like all right like you know there's yeah. foreshadowing and then there's just like telling us exactly what's gonna happen like i'm curious if they found that stained glass window and they were like we gotta use this in the movie or if they like call the stained glass window company and you're like uh can we have a window of like a dagger going down it's for a movie it's very artistic <laughs> They, uh, they they bought it from a, an abandoned church, uh, a, sat- a satanic church. Okay, that would explain what, yeah, the dagger. What movie yeah. are you making? Yeah. What's your movie about, boys? Uh, like, death? It's a family it's an art. It's, it's an, an art house. house movie. It's very yeah, artistic. It's it's a deep, you, meaningful movie. You wouldn't get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was. it's funny. I was, um, I was telling, because I was watching this with Linda, my girlfriend, um, I was uh, saying how a lot of these like '90s slasher movies that came out after Scream, you know, of course, like Scream revitalized the horror genre in you know the mid '90s up until like the early 2000s. You had all these like you know I know what you did last summer is coming out after them. All of these like very atypical type of just like you know blockbusters that they were throwing out. Final Destination, and it's funny how. 
in my opinion, when I was watching this, how like a, a filmmaker who's making something like Final Destination and is probably influenced from like the rise of like the Scream movies is like completely missing the point of Scream and how that th- that movie was released to kind of be like a commentary mm-hmm. on the horror movie genre. Like, you know, it's obviously it's it can appeal to a, a wider audience beyond just like, you know, a, a horror movie fan. But at the same time, like these movies just kind of said like, oh, well, we can just go ahead and make horror movies again with like the same type of characters, but without like realizing that we're just following the exact same formula that Scream was making fun of like all these years ago. And like, I think that's just like such an irony of like all these movies, these like stupid horror movies that came out, these slashers. And they're, I mean, they're fun, but they, (laughs) it's, it just goes to show like how like a, a producer or like a, you know, kind of a, I, I don't know what you would call a type of filmmaker like this, but like just completely missed the point on that. Well, yeah, I know. It's almost I, as if they think that that movie is reaffirming these sort of tropes instead of like being more like critical about them. Um, yeah. And then it kind of like has the opposite effect and was the ten. You just you just get more of them, you know. To add yeah, to your, exactly. To add to your point, Andy. In addition, the director of this, James Wong, in addition to doing uh, Final Destination Three, he also directed a movie that also entirely missed the point of the thing he was filming dragon ball evolution oh that was him. he directed that too he, he directed that too and, oh. and in, adi- oh, <laughs> in addition to a bunch of x-files like this is basically an x-files group project like a guy came in with a spec script and they're like hey this could this could be a movie and it turned out to be a franchise this would have been like right. a Blum, this would have been a Blumhouse movie. This would have made like would have been made, oh like, yeah like the way the early Blumhouse like you know uh, it's they've always made back their revenue tenfold enough to make how many movies are like seven six yeah there's like I think so. yeah and you know it, like it's I find it so crazy that this was like an X Files like you know alum project because X Files at least like for many seasons was renowned for its writing and in this. You know, I feel like the, the the dialogue takes me out of it so much. It's such there's so like so much inconsistent writing in this movie. Like even even the opening scene where like the dad comes in and just does this whole exposition speech where it's like, son, oh, you're Jesus you're 17 Christ. now and you're going on this class trip and you have your whole life ahead of you. I so I, <laughs> like, I literally I literally laughed so loud when he said that he's like, you got your whole life ahead. I know of they you. tried to and drive he, in the point like way too much. It's like we get it. <laughs> Yeah. It's, there's, oh, even, he said, there's even a. Effort. Sorry, sorry. No, I was just going to say there's that one character that's just like, I will never die. I was oh, about yeah, to bring up that line. At the memorial, at the memorial, at the, the guy the guy's like, I will never die. It's like, jeez. <laughs> he's, like, he's like saying in a bunch of grieving parents, yeah. like, oh my God. I hope you don't think, Browning, because my name ain't up on this wall that I owe you anything. I don't. Because all I owe are these people. To live my life to the fullest. Why don't you stay off the JD then, huh, Carter? Listen, don't you ever fucking tell me what to do, all right? I control my life, not you. Carter! I'm never gonna die. This, yeah, but, promises. Uh, are you not entertained? Like, and this, like, part. Do they know that they're what they're making? And I know See, I it's not, I think not maybe, in the screen thing. Maybe they just were on different. If multiple people wrote this, then I have to think that. There was maybe um, they had they both have different ideas of what they were making, you know, because like I well, said, at sometimes they seem to be making like they some exploring some interesting ideas, and other times they're just kind of taking the easy out 
and and yeah. making very obvious choices. So I'm, I'm well. It's a it's a studio film. So yeah. I mean, like when it came out, again, it was like the height of this like whole craze. Um, mm-hmm. Probably the the probably near the decline of it, though. I would say, and like you know, they, they probably had maybe a, an initial draft of the script that that might have been a little more, uh, I guess, subtle, or uh, you know, a little more in line with like you know the kind of how the the whole rules work or what have you but i'm yep. sure some producer was like you gotta have more deaths and you gotta have another hot girl character uh this character's gotta go to you know it's cut like, out you know, this lore like God. no one gives a shit about lore or mythologies get this out for well, yeah, set ca- pieces we don't want them to think we know, you know actually uh i did like learn that there is an alternate ending to this movie and in fact there's even like a subplot that was completely cut out. So the um, Ali Lauder's character Clear and the main character Alex do have a romance that was cut out of the movie. Yeah, because I was like, why are they holding hands at the end? I was and like, what's going they're on? They're even calling each other like baby at like towards the end, and it's like, hmm, like did we miss something here? Yeah. And so <laughs> the idea is, so at the at the climax of the movie when Alex saves Clear, you know, from that car. The idea was he was supposed to die from, you know, grabbing electrical wire and saving her life. He does. He is supposed to die. And the thing is, prior to that, they had consummated their relationship and she had gotten pregnant. This is in like the the alternate version of this movie. What? Yeah. Yeah. And so (laughs) the idea was that because like she gets pregnant and she was supposed to die and now there's like this new life that now like that's design is totally like scrapped or something like i don't know how that works but the idea is <laughs> carter and clear live and she clear like lives on to like have alex's baby and then that's supposed to be the end they live <laughs> and that ending was not received well by test audiences so they yeah. like cut those romance scenes out and they rewrote the ending to that like paris scene which is like like the silliest scene, I think that feels movie. like a reshoot. I can't like. Doesn't even look like. Paris. Well, like Ali Larder, <laughs> Ali Larder has like blonde hair for some reason, and I'm like, was she shooting yeah. another movie and they brought her back and now she has blonde hair? That has to That's be probably that it. probably yeah. has to be the reason why because it's like so random that she would just like dye her hair. Is that like you know? Oh, a fresh start, a new hairdo. Like, let's go. Six. I kind of prefer yeah. the. I kind of prefer the regular ending. The whole thing with the baby is like kind of strange i don't know how that works and that actually is a theme that they would explore in the sequel is that one of the like people in the group that's supposed to die in the uh you know highway crash is a pregnant woman so like they get the idea from tony todd that like you know if if a new life is born then that voids their inevitable deaths for some reason i don't know i don't know how it works the producers are like scrap that save it for the sequel type yeah 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 well, isn't Ellie Larder's in the second one, isn't she? And she dies in that one. She comes mm-hmm. back, and then, like, the Alex character is supposed to have died between movies. I don't know if that's because, like, the actor didn't want to come back or what, but they <laughs> kind of just throw his character away. And then she comes back, and in the, in the beginning of the second movie, or when they introduce her character, she's, like, volunteered herself into, like, a psych ward in, like, a padded cell, which I guess is, like, a super... Nothing can get you in a padded cell, I suppose. Um, but then she leaves to help the group, like, try to... You know, fight right. fight their inevitable deaths too. 
that's such a, a shitty like reintroduction of a like typical reintroduction of a character like now they're insane <laughs> and like you know we meet them again they're in a padded cell in a in a straitjacket mumbling gibberish yeah yeah now she's now it's she's like, like she's bad this time around like she's unwilling to help <laughs> I don't know um, <laughs> she's mad now uh, she's gonna fight the air yeah yeah she's gonna fight death in person. She, okay, so yeah. there is, uh, you know, the scene that I really, like, go back and forth with, though, is the scene that was alluded to before that ends with John William Scott's character's death. But I want to talk yeah. about that whole sequence there. So that's, you know, it starts with the four remaining characters, you know, in the car, Carter's car. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they're, like, talking about, like, you know, who could be next. You know, how does Alex know? And there's, like... I, I this like build up to where he starts driving wildly. He you know like I, I control my life, I control my death, and then you have that sequence with the train where they're like stopped on the train tracks. So mm-hmm. um, I did find that to be a pretty suspenseful scene, but there's just a couple of again silly moments like that train plows through the car, doesn't even stop. You know, like yeah. you would think that the train conductor would maybe like be like just hmm, another day. Yeah. <laughs> we got a schedule <laughs> to keep. I'm running late here. <laughs> But I do have to say, I think there is something smart about the way that scene ends because Sean William Scott's character is the one who ultimately dies in this scene. But the thing is, throughout the entire sequence, he's actually in the safest position. Like, he's in the front seat of this two-door car. He's, like, the first person to be able to get out of the car. And he's off to the side while Alex is trying to rescue Carter. And, like, you don't – you know, he's not in any danger until the very moment he steps in front of the train. So I feel like that is like a smart misdirection. Like you don't think he's he could die until it's about to happen, and then he gets this yeah. brutal death where he's decapitated at the mouth. Yeah. That was yeah. brutal, and it's so fast. So and and you know that I don't know how that even works physically. You know, like how something can be ricocheted that way. But I think that scene for the most part works. Um, yeah, and I like I like how you know the tension builds. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it is a good misdirection. It's just, it's funny how, like, they just don't care. Yeah, like, that's what all. also takes me out. They're like, whoa. Like, this guy was just decapitated yeah, at the mouth. Now. And they're like, oh, my God. Whoa. Do these people get funerals and wakes? Like, how do you explain? Like, hey, what happened to my son? Yeah. Like, like, he was, sta- what? He was standing in front of a train and that hit him? My daughter yeah, was standing yeah. in front of a bus? Are they going to have, like, a second memorial for, like, all the people who died of freak accidents afterwards? <laughs> yeah, right. Like no one, no one questioned any of that. And Carter going, like, I told you, I'm not gonna die. Yeah, there's definitely missing pieces of the script. There's definitely you could tell that there's rewrites. Like, and and I think you're right. The the biggest indicator of that is the relationship between Ali Larder and the Alex character, the Devin Sawa character. I think that that that's a key into like the fact that oh, they probably were going a couple different directions with this. Because again, the whole thing with the FBI is like is so silly because they're still hunting him after all this time and yeah. it's so very clear like obviously like after the teacher dies like i guess like you know because he grabs the knife but it's like why do they even care about him i mean i guess at, at that, that point, point like, like yeah if they're suspicious of him he was like checking her tires out and then after yeah. she dies like her, his fingerprints are on the knife his footprint is in the blood like I guess yeah, one could just, conclude that for some reason he might have murdered her. Like, it's very suspicious. So I can see that. Sure. They probably just needed another scene, though, with those guys to be like, I don't know, something's off with this kid. Like, I know so, that the plane was an accident, but he's, I feel like he's involved. Like, yeah. just so there's something to indicate yeah. their motive or their interest in him. Like, right. that makes that 
subplot add more tension. It's another but the fact that the cops are even there is like just like what are you doing? Well, they, they're another... definitely Mulder and Scully. Like they were yeah. written as yeah. Now yeah. that now that we're saying it's it was an X Files episode, it totally makes sense that like well you like we can't actually get uh, Danny David Duchovny to come in, so no. we got because they appear in the end too. They like say like uh, right Cooper's at the house. Name. Yeah. Uh, they the do. Cops, they... Yeah. Well, they're they're the trying to arrest him. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like at the end, um, yeah, they appear at the cabin to like apprehend him, uh, and they're like chasing him through the woods and stuff. And it's just another element, I guess, to add more tension to the movie. Because I feel like yeah. once after the um, after the Sean William Scott character is killed, then the movie does drag. Because like, okay, what happens now? Like now he's at a cabin yeah. that he is like start, you know trying I to I start to understand the plot less after that point. Yeah. Right. It seemed to lose purpose, like lose some steam yeah. cuz like now now we're in this cabin that he is trying to like fortify against like dangers and stuff like that, you know, um, by taping things. Yeah, yeah, I know, like duct tape. That's you know, <laughs> nothing can get past that. And then you know, he's just he's like eating like tuna out of like a can and it's like done so over dramatically he's like eating it with these big chomps like Mm. well it's like it's like he's he's losing his mind trying to figure it out and if they played up that element of it more that would have been either a funnier and more enjoyable or made more sense and been more like intense the whole thing though is that your attention is reliant on your knowledge of the the design or something and like how they're trying to like skip it but by that point it's like death is trying to kill both of them like Ali Larder and Devin Sawa at the exact same time so you're just like all right so what is the design like how like how am i supposed to understand like how this is working if he's just like if he's having a free for all and, right and, and every and the writer and director are like Shh. Don't. Yeah, like yeah. just just enjoy it, stupid. Like ju- uh, just have fun. You're yeah, having fun, thing. right? You're having fun. Yeah. Why are you I, asking I, questions yeah. now? And it's something that they also brought up in the second movie is this order. And when you like intervene with someone's death, then it moves on to the next person. And it's like, well, why? Why would he like if if like I, if like I'm next to die and Andy saves me? Why would it skip me and move on to like Keith? Like why? Like I understand. It's like, oh, here's an idea. I, I missed you. All right, I'll, I'll get you next time. <laughs> here's an idea. Why isn't death, like, these people are in the same place at the same time all the time. Why isn't death just blow up whatever building they're in, like, by whatever, like, conventional means? Like, just make it explode. Yeah, or have a cause... helicopter crash into the room. Wait, exactly. Wait. You know you know what's so crazy, though? Like, the they kind of do that in some of the sequels. So, like, the fourth movie ends with this big kind of F you to the audience, basically, where the three characters who are left at the end are sitting in a coffee shop and a semi truck just plows through the coffee shop and runs them over and kills them. And that's how the fourth movie ends. It's like that's awesome. in the sequels, like semi like tractor trailers are these like instruments of like death incarnate that just like <laughs> just whenever there's a target, it just hits them and keeps on going. It's it's like ridiculous. So kind of this, the screening process for truck drivers is pretty. Uh pretty substandard in that universe i would say yeah yeah they're like yeah. uh you know maybe they get possessed by by the death by the death himself <laughs> all you need is that one cog that gets unscrewed mysteriously and then the liquid vanishes into the distance carter listen to me don't do this god damn it get out of the fucking car carter listen to me hey Listen to me, this isn't the way. It's not the way, get out of the car, come on! It's coming, it's coming! 
I think the best death in the entire series, and I think I think JJ, you've talked to me about this too, was um the one I don't know which one it is, but because they all just at the end of the day they kind of just like mesh in my head. Yeah. But there's one where the guy is working at like a mechanic shop. Yep. He gets yeah he <laughs> he turns around. He's like talking to people through a chain link fence. He turns around. And then he gets hit by, like, I think it's like a propane tank that, like, you know, it got depressurized, so it shoots forward towards him. And he goes into the fence. Through the fence. After getting... Yeah, and, like, he has, like, no bones. Like, he has, his, he has like, little, like, like um, uh, beef, like, stew meat of, like, his out. remains. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, he has, like, no bones, no cartilage, nothing. Yeah, that's... Like, just little, like, cubes and chunks of meat. I believe that was also uh, the first 3D Final Destination movie, so, like, uh... it's, like, a 3D effect that these, like, cubed parts of his torso are falling out after getting, <laughs> like... Blasted through, <laughs> getting blasted through the world's sharpest chain link fence. It is like preposterous. That's what I mean by like they treat the body like it's like super fragile, like any little thing, so and you're like mutilated and killed. There's a, in the same movie, uh, there's like a scene where this mom is with her kids, like out in like some public space, like at a nail salon or something, and she tells her kids, I've got my eye on you. And oh, just yeah. at that moment, a guy <laughs> mowing the lawn. Like runs over a rock that shoots out through her eye, killing her. And I'm like, yeah. wow, that and it goes like through her, right? Through her like... eye, through her head, via her eye. Yeah. And it's like insane. You know, this lawnmower had the the power of like a gun, basically, able to like, you know, get through her head at that force. Or again, their bodies yeah. in it's this like... universe are so fragile, any little thing can go through them. And kill them. Yeah, no, phys- physics do not apply, like, whatsoever. It's not a thing well, in the, Final Destination. The one death that I remember really going, like, oh, wow, that the, the pacing of that, the tension, uh, it was in the second one, and I think it was, like, the, the kid at the dentist. Yeah, that's a good and, one. And, like, the like the toy or, like, the thing falls into his mouth, and it, it's just, like, what, yeah, I, I actually, it, oh, it's well yeah. filmed. And then you think he lives, and then there's, like, construction outside the dentist's office, and then his body gets hit and smatters like, like oh, pumpkins. That like, brutal. That's that brutal. That's brutal. Yeah, but that his body is like a, a mannequin of balloons. Of, like, yeah, I know. It's like, like, he, like he gets flattened. Yeah, exactly. There's like nothing. Yeah. They use, There's like you, you see him. They see them like zipping them up in a body bag, and I'm like, there was like nothing left of him. Like what would you zip up? Like you, death, like death style. Death style is like complete evisceration. Like he he has like the opposite of like a Boba Fett problem. Like complete incinerations. But like um, what? Like just no remains. But that's the thing. Like it's one thing that you were supposed to have died in some accident or something, and you cheated death, right? I okay, sure. And now like death yeah. is trying to still get you. But why does it have to be so complicated and so like convoluted that? Like the yeah. wind blows a thing that rolls over and hits another thing, and then like you're sliced in half down the middle. Like, why does it have to be so bizarre? I don't know, and like, and that's what I mean is that first you have that scene with Tony Todd where he's saying like, okay, well, there's nothing like death comes like to us all, and like there's a there's a design, but then like death has to like construe like almost a like a MacGyver, like anything that's available to him. And like the person has to be in like an exact spot for it to happen. And they could move into the next room and then that plan falls to shit. So it's just like, it seems like so funny how death, (laughs) 
like almost has like this like personality like oh why I wanna yeah, like I, he's gonna death is like explaining this to a friend it's like and then he hits this and then the gumball goes it's like calm down yeah it's like why, yeah, death why just wants it to, to look he just wants it to be cool <laughs> yeah. that's uh, he knows he's in a movie rule of cool yeah he knows he's got an audience to impress and like if the person just gets hit by a car, they're like, oh. Well, yeah, that's it. That can happen anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I thought also the idea, you know, when, you know, in the Todd death, when the water recedes, I, it's like, I kind of get a sense that death is trying to make it seem like this is not like a destined sort of thing, you know, but then if that's the case, why not make the deaths common deaths? If you're making all of these deaths super freak accidents, I think people are going to get really suspicious that like something is happening. Yeah, well, that and, like, why would he... Okay, so if death is death, then death knows that that guy wouldn't commit suicide, right? Like, it, it would be better... Like, clearly he's trying to make it look like a suicide so that he can... His his motive behind that is to be like, okay, so the kid was guilty, or felt guilty that his brother died on the plane crash, so he committed suicide, so it would make sense. But the fact that death made that guy <laughs> commit suicide, which, like, then spurred everyone to be like suspicious that something screwy is happening is like man death is stupid please yeah sometimes he's, <laughs> he's not doing... as smart like because sometimes they outwit death yeah. like what is, yeah. what is up he's with that? death like, they outsmart him at times yeah. like, like he, he he can gain access to anywhere he should be able to know and be all all omnipotent it's this, like omnipotent thing like i like another thing is I kind of like the idea that, like, death is maybe just a force that's, like, this, like, uncaring, unfeeling, like, you know, uh, what's the word, objective yeah. thing. So, like, when they're on the plane, when they're on the plane, there's, like, a baby and, like, a physically disabled person. It's like, okay, like, you're hammering in this idea that, like, it could happen to anyone and anywhere. But then they kind of, like, they even have Todd's brother undermine that whole thing by spelling it out. Like, be a really fucked up god to take down this plane. I'm like, yeah, we know. Yeah. We know. <laughs> like, you, you don't have to it, say it. We saw it. It, it felt kind of it felt kind of tasteless with the disabled guy. It was almost like the movie trying to be, like, hardcore. Especially, like, knowing where the early 2000s were. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, we're going to kill the disabled guy, too. It's like, okay. But to play, <laughs> like, <laughs> to play the role of the director and writer, I'm going to take a pile of popcorn and shove it into your mouth stop asking questions yeah. just no no, no and, and you're look this movie is fun to pick apart this movie yeah. this well, is yeah. a fun movie it's a guilty pleasure i think like one of the best yeah, definitions i would say it's it. a bad movie I, I would say that it's it's an enjoyable film like if it was a bad movie that would mean that the parts that i'm supposed to have fun at and not think about they, that they would fall flat and then the movie would be a failure i think that like in terms of the fun factor it's still an enjoyable horror movie and i think because it stays a little bit more simple than the sequels kind of go for like the the deaths become so elaborate that it's almost like exhausting it's like yeah. all right well how's this going to go like um i i like that and it's definitely the most fun out of all of them to watch i agree um, i think in the the sequels it gets way too unbelievable that it's like frustrating and almost insulting yeah. that like something so like convoluted could happen where in this you're right it's like i'm it's like silly but not too much that i'm not still on board you know like mm-hmm. i i can shut my mind off and i can just like watch this and and like you know like try to forget logic for a little bit you know it's not it's not challenging that too much but again yeah. like if i had to then just play devil's advocate come up with a good scene like when they're 
being interviewed, the survivors after the flight, and you see some of the pain in some of the characters who have gone off, like the teacher, her guilt yeah. for sending the other teacher back on because she thought she was doing the nice thing, the the brother Todd over his brother staying on the plane, like yeah. that could have been, you know, that that's that's like investment in characters, you know, like that is actually showing like real yeah. human emotion at that point. And I'm like, man, well, then, like, then it becomes hereditary. Yeah, and then, then it's just like, screw it, like cut off some heads, you know, basically. Yeah, and focus on the, the debilitating and painful trauma that these characters have suffered. Mm-hmm. One day know. we'll get that movie. So it, when this movie, when this whole franchise reboots itself, that's when we will get this movie. <laughs> well, you, Directed by Ari Aster, Final Destiny. Actually, I'm, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah. No, me neither. I think the rules get even more complicated later on. So I think in the fifth movie, there's something where, you know, if you kill someone who is not supposed to die, you, like, get their remaining years or something. Like, really? <laughs> so, like, one character who, like, God. is supposed to die, like, he's next, kills, like, an innocent person, and, like, that extends his life because he's, like, stealing that person's, like, lifespan or something. Man, if there's, like, a war or something, death must be, like, having a notebook. Like, oh, all right, that guy, <laughs> so much to like, he's got, of. like, a... He's got like a bookie visor on. He's like, like, all right, and you're gonna shave off five years of this guy. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Kill that one. This person lives. That person dies. You accrue twenty. You lose thirty. All right, here we yeah, go. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, basically. Yeah, it's like a weird point system in that movie. Um, yeah. So it's just a shame because I feel like maybe if they took a note from the better parts of this movie, some of this, you know, maybe the the sequels could have like um improved upon it maybe but it's a studio it's a studio profit driven you know sort of franchise so of course they're gonna keep yeah. going the bloodier and bloodier route like one concept yeah. i was actually intrigued by in the second movie you find out in the second movie that the group the main group of characters don't they're all alive because of the survivors in the first movie because the, it's like exploring this sort of uh, ripple effect that because the characters in the first movie lived at least for some time after the plane crash they affected other people's lives and so other people's mm-hmm. fates and destinies were also affected by that and now there's all these loose ends and you know they're exploring that you know it's it's just beyond mm-hmm. their own lives and again that's interesting like explore that a bit more but no then yeah. in the next scene i think a guy gets sliced into three pieces by barbed wire <laughs> you know you he, he has to he's a nice guy he's gotta go down hard yeah yeah um, I mean, I, I will give it this uh, in terms of like, you know, when you talk about the craze back then, like it was all just seemed like kind of suburban horror flying off of screen. Like it would just be a guy with a knife or some sort of sharp object, like sl- typical slasher. But at least this does have a unique premise that that I will give to it. I mean, at the time, it must have been like fun to like like the first Saw movie. I mean, Saw is definitely a more tastefully done movie like the first movie. Um but this must have had the same effect, and I mean, like, it just goes to show. Anytime there's something inventive coming out, they're gonna they're gonna push out like twelve new ones, like every Halloween. And does it get worse and worse and worse as they? they as our old pal uh, Roger Ebert kind of hit the nail on the head with this one. Uh, in regards to dead teenager movies, this one <laughs> is smarter and more original than most. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got a different pre- like it goes about it differently, which. I mean, and that that adds, like, an uncertainty to it, too, because you just, like, in those movies, you're always waiting for, like, the unmasking. It's like, who is the killer? Uh Um, But this one, it's like, you know right off the bat, almost. And um, there's, like, kind of a feeling of helplessness if you don't think of it too much. I mean, again, when I was a kid, 
I was scared shitless of this movie because I, you know, I didn't know how to think of it. I was just scared that I was like, if I open up my drawer, like the whole thing would come down on me. You yeah, know, like, yeah, kind of the idea that like you know any sort of thing could happen to like start the chain reaction that leads to your death. That is like an ominous thing to say, but then they just show it in so many ridiculous ways. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it is scarier to explore the idea of that helplessness that you're just talking about, like that, like you're going to die no matter what. Like, you were supposed to die, and you could try to cheat death as many times as you can, but it's going to come get you no matter what. And if Yeah, if, if the movie was more existential, for sure, it would have been a lot more interesting, like, mm-hmm. to watch, to think about, for sure. Yeah, because, like, I think a lot of movies like to bring up the idea of challenging your fate, you know, like, you know, whether that's a fate that society has chosen for you or a fate that your family, whatever it is. I mean, this case is more literal, you know, the fate that death has decided for you. But a lot of, you know, that's something that is very relatable, at least, like trying to change your fate. Um, yeah. So I, I wish, you know, some of those more elements, and even if there's more of a psychological element, like with Alex going crazier and crazier, you know, maybe he totally loses his mind, yeah. you know, by the end. That just happens at the end, yeah. like out of nowhere. Like he's just like eating tuna, and he was like uh, he was like Charlie from It's Always Sunny. Like he's got to eat the cat food so he can go to sleep. Yeah, was that cat food or was that like human? Food? It was tuna. Okay, it was tuna, but it, that's what it made me think of because I had just gone through like a run through of It's Always Sunny, sure. and I was like, oh, he's he's eating cat food so he can go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna play night crawlers by himself. Yeah, <laughs> it makes him sick. Yeah, stay there, okay? Stay away. befuddling to me is Allie Larder's character. Oh, yeah. That's the only thing I want to say. Like, I was like, who is this? Like, where are her parents? Yeah. Why is she like a just like a creep? Like, in the beginning of the movie, they have this whole idea that, like, because she's like the art girl, that she is somehow like into the the thrill of this whole thing. I don't know. That was it. I, I think it was more like, you know, of all this guy's having a freak out on the plane. He's saying it's going to explode. And I guess I kind of like the idea that at least one person believes him as yeah, everyone on the plane. Then, and one person gets scared enough to get off the plane. I kind of like that. there's that scene where they, they sneak into the, um, the morgue. The morgue. And she's like, I always get such a thrill when I yeah. come here. I'm like, the fuck? Yeah, you're like, right. Her character is like not really well defined. They kind of flesh out this whole thing with her parents, you know, like her backstory with her dad and her stepdad and everything. Yeah. But then they just give her like this. She's like a welder or something. She's like a sculptor. And they give her, like, these very, like, generic, really shitty-looking pieces of art that she works on. She's Harry Connick Jr. from The Iron Giant. She's putting together... She's putting together junk art. I like I like that that uh, tie there. Yeah, you're right. But yeah. you know, this is food. This is art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, mm. Yeah, they give. But I feel like that was such like a generic thing. Like, oh, here's an artsy girl, and she has weird sculptures that make no sense. Yeah, she's got to be the emotional goth. It's like, give me a break. Yeah. I mean, again, that character yeah. could have had potential. Like the girl, the loner who believes this guy and gets off yeah. the plane. 
and you know then that she like is the only person who believes him and i mean to be fair she's the only person at the memorial who thanks him for like saving her life right everyone else is yeah. like get away from me you freak and she's the only one yeah who's well like, especially especially carter that kid needs like antipsychotics. like he's like just pissed off yeah right the entire movie think, for no reason you would think like the other characters when at least they've had time to grieve and process they might have the the thought at one point like well if it wasn't for him, I'd be dead. So she's better, maybe I should be a little grateful. She's better developed in the yeah. sequel, if I remember correctly, right? Is she? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, quotes. There's a bunch of quotes around that. I'm trying. She's to... probably more well developed, but she's probably not. That's probably not as a uh, hammered in well because it's played by Allie Larder. So it's it's just it doesn't work uh, as much. Yeah, you know what? I like, like she, she's, she's like she's great. I, 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 again, I, I have a soft spot for yeah, this movie. I kind of have a soft spot for her as an actress. Like, you know, I, I want, I'm willing to give her like, you know, the benefit of the doubt a lot of times. I don't know why, you know, some, some actors, they just have that for, um, I think I, yeah. I remember seeing her as a kid in the remake of house on haunted Hill, which is like not a oh, good God. movie at all, No, but just, from having seen her as a kid in that movie, for some reason, ever since then, I had like a soft spot for her. Where, like I want her to be good and in things, you know. I don't know. God, why. you guys should, you guys should do that movie. Talk about misinterpreting the the message oh, of, a, it, of a previous film. It, oh my universally God. disliked across the board. It's yeah, it's it's a it's like a shot to nothing. It's terrible. No good and a waste of a good cast with um, uh, uh, what's it? Famke Jansen and um, uh, isn't is Liam Neeson in there? No, no, no. That's the, the haunting. That's the other bad remake. Oh, uh, yes. It's House on Haunted Hill with Ali Lauder, Tay Diggs, Fan P. Jansen, and then, um, what's his name? Barbosa. Uh, oh, uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Rush. And Jeffrey Rush. Wasted yeah. of, of a decent cast. And then um, The Haunting with Liam Neeson, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and uh, our main man, Owen Wilson. Oh, wow. Okay, uh. gets cut off. Um, so... Um, <laughs> You know, that was also, I remember Keith in a previous episode mentioned that the late 90s were all into, also, in addition to the slashers coming back, ghost movies were also a oh, thing that. Bad ghost, ghost movies. Ghost yeah, for sure. 13 ghosts. <laughs> ghosts. <laughs> and this one is kind of like this idea, like, you know, he's, I mean, what is it? What is death? He's like, is he a person? Is he a ghost? Is he a force? Like, it's so, <laughs> what is like. Death? What is death? <laughs> what's the deal? They say they they like bring up the god thing a couple times and i'm just like is like is he like are they kind of going a, a, a like weird demonic religious route here i don't know not really there's like one line where it's yeah. like you know he goes on alex about like oh i can change the design he's like what are you a god like no gods don't die we die it's like a very poorly written and delivered line but yeah it's like i know yeah yeah <laughs> you have to say like, that <laughs> but uh that's like as much as they get into this whole thing with the mythology they don't, they don't dive as deep into it as they could have but um no. okay so i mean i think we've talked up and down about this movie i think we hit our um, final destination on this movie <laughs> i i think so oh my gosh one last thing when the scene where terry gets hit by a bus and like when Carter first pulls up to the coffee shop, yeah. the song they're listening to, I don't know what song this is, but the lyric is like, we're reaching our final destination. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the title right there. It sounded like a 90s song. Though. I wonder if it was just one of those songs written for the movie. Like if it was like a, a tie in. Some, Cause that's, that was common yeah. back then. Right. Yeah, I guess. But someone must've like looked in to be like, okay, what song has the lyrics final destination into it? 
Like, what what do we got here? Okay, yeah. so um, let's I think just now at this point give our uh, give our personal scores for mm-hmm. this first Final Destination movie. Um, Andy, as our guest, started us off. What what percentage of approval would you give this? Oh boy, um, I would probably give it just over the median. I I, I median. Sorry, I, I would give it like a like a fifty-two. Okay. Percent. It's gonna come down to the wire. I know it. it's gonna be a very close. <laughs> which side yeah. we will end up being with? Okay, so fifty-two from from Andy. What do you, what about you, Keith? Uh. This movie is fun. It's it's bad, but it's watchable. Very watchable. I, what is this? Ain't it cool news? I, well, I'm I like well, I do think the other fran- the other movies in the franchise are tomato are rotten in my opinion, but this one is it's serviceable in all the fun ways. I'm going to give it a 65. Okay. Um like I said, I have a soft spot for this movie. I enjoy watching this movie, and I think that uh, the premise alone sells me on this. Um, and uh, you know, and for, there's again, there's some good bones in there. There's some potential for something in there. Um, so I'm gonna be a little lenient on this movie, and I'm actually gonna give it a 70. Ooh. Oh Jesus! You just wanted to come back. This is like kind of like a like get up, buddy. You could do it. Come on, you can do it, movie. You can do <laughs> it. I'm you can get over reboot. that line. You can get to that fresh side of the meter. Come on. And I'm actually uh, okay with uh, our medium score, which comes out to sixty-two point three. I'm actually. Wow. I think that probably is. I accept, I accept that. that we're like on the cusp of being a tomato. I think that's appropriate oh, right. for this movie. It was. I knew yeah, it'd be a close it, call. Yeah, it's it's passable for me. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like, you know, it'll it'll do. Um, yeah. So that means that we are officially siding with the audience on Final <laughs> Destination. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, you're the odd man out in this one, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, thank you, Andy, for, yes, thank for joining you. us, coming back on the podcast. Thank you. Um, thank you, yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it. I'm glad. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get you on again sometime soon. Yeah. But, um, you know, until then, uh, join us again another time, guys, for another Divided Film. Mm-hmm.